This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. On today's program, we start a new series entitled Doors. The goal of this series is to help you open the door to freedom that is possible through Jesus. Along with Pastor Nate, you will also hear an amazing testimony from Michelle Velez, a fellow staff member who talks about how she dealt with her life as freedoms began to develop in her home life. Let's join Dr. Nate Roosh right now. All right, we're going to go right into our Doors series, and this is part one, and you might wonder, what is this Doors theme? What does that mean? And what is Pastor Nate going to talk about it? Um, I, I want to just say it right out of the gate, what our goal is for this series. Our goal is to help people open the door to freedom that's possible through Jesus. Jesus said in John 8, 32, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Say that with me. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Jesus, of course, is speaking of himself. He's also said of himself that he's the way, the truth, and the life. And when you know Jesus, it's not just a one-time freedom, friends, not just one moment when you give your life to Christ, but it's also through a lifetime of learning to live in the freedom that Jesus offers for all of us. And our desire is that everyone would experience John 8, 32 in their life. And we're really serious that freedom is possible for every person at every stage of life. So much so that we're going to put our focus in on finding freedom during this series. I want you to find freedom in your, in your life. Yes, I'm talking to you that have been walking with the Lord for decades. I want you to know new freedom. I want you to be free because Jesus brings that freedom. I want those of you, this is your first Sunday morning, you're just checking us out. I want you to know true freedom, so much so that we're going to talk about it throughout this series. Freedom from unforgiveness and addictions and iniquity and generational sin and spiritual influences that bring us down. All right, I want to go to our main text right out of the gate here in Genesis chapter 4. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. First person, it says, now Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant. And when she gave birth to Cain, she said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. And when they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. And when it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gifts, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. And this made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Why are you so angry, the Lord asked Cain. Why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must subdue it and be its master. And one day, Cain suggested to his brother, let's go out into the fields. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, Abel, and he killed him. Now, this is the first murder in the Bible, right? In the first book of the Bible, at season number one, right? In season number one, we see this first murder. What happens is, is 
Cain has a, an opportunity to listen to God. Now, I'm not going to go into all of what happened here in Genesis 4, like why did God reject Cain's offering? Somewhere in there, Cain knew that he was to present a certain type of offering, and he didn't present to God what God wanted. But God still had a conversation with him. He said, listen, Cain, if you do what's right, things are going to go okay for you. But if you choose not to, and he had a choice, Cain had a choice, then sin is crouching at the door. You're on the other side, and if you open that door, if you take an opportunity, you open it up, sin wants to get you. It wants to own you. It wants to get in the door. And sin is very real. It's crouching like a thief. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. The enemy is out there and sin is on the other side of the door. Sin is the active power that pushes you away from God's best. It pushes you away from his leadership in your life. Sin wants to become your leader. And so God knows and he gives a warning and he says sin is crouching at the door. And not only is it crouching at the door, but it's eager to control you. How many know that one, uh, looking back in your story, there have been moments where you've let the door open and sin got in and it wasn't just about the first sin, but it began to own you and control you and determine what decisions you made, what you did with your time, what you did with your money, and it begins to open up inside of you and it begins to control you. Now this is, this is the thing, with doors that open up, they want to get a foot in. They want to get just a little bit in. And God says, don't open the door. Shut the door. There was an old song when I was in the 1980s. It said, shut the door, keep the devil out. And I think that there's something about shutting the door that Cain did not listen to. And because he didn't listen to it, he let the sin come in. And what did it result in him doing? That anger turned into murder in his heart. Now, Jesus picks up on the theme of a thief in John chapter 10. And by the way, when, when God was speaking to Cain, he said, you must be sin's master. You can control this. You can be the one in charge. You're not a victim. And Jesus picks up on the same theme in John 10, 10. He says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose, Jesus says, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. So throughout this series, we're going to be looking at things that we need to close the door to. We might look at things that we need to get out that we had opened the door to. But we're also going to look at following the good shepherd, a new pathway. And if we follow Jesus' way, how many know his way leads to a rich and a satisfying life? Today, we have an incredible example of the reality of a thief and the promise of freedom that is available to all of us in opening the door to the truth as Michelle Velez comes to share her story. Would you give it up for Michelle Velez? Thank you guys for letting me do this. I, it is such an honor to be under your leadership, both you, Pastor Nate, and Pastor Jody. You guys are the bomb. You're amazing, okay? Um, so we're talking about doors, okay? And doors, you know, you open them, you close them, you walk through them, you um, 
you like hold the door for somebody that's walking really far behind you and you end up holding it way too long because you're a nice person, hopefully. Um, sometimes your mom walks in your room and opens the door and she's like, I have something super important to tell you. And then she leaves and doesn't close it. Super annoying, okay? I have three points today. My first point is that we need to recognize the doors that are in front of us, okay? So to give you a little bit of backstory of my life, because not a lot of you know me, we're going to get to know each other today. I grew up in Minnesota, honestly, like just down the road from here. I'm number three of four kids. Um, I have an older sister, a brother, and then me and my little sister. And my family is awesome. My parents are amazing. They're so great. And growing up, I was always this like straight A student, really involved in extracurriculars. I wanted to do everything and be good at everything. And so that's what I did. And um, even at a young age, you know, life puts doors in front of you. So for me, my parents started giving me more freedom when I got into junior high. And freedom always comes with a choice, okay, a door. And for me, that door was, hey, you can walk home from school today. I'm this middle schooler, okay, little Michelle. <laughs> and getting freedom like that is a huge deal. I was like, no parents, no rules. I'm going to walk home from school. So I would walk home with my older brother who was two years older than me. And he had all these older friends and their houses were on the way home. So we would stop at these friends' houses on the way home. And that meant that I was hanging out with older kids. And I thought that was the coolest thing. And, of course, they had, like, piercings and cool hair that was, like, cool colors and, like, ripped jeans and stick and poke tattoos. And I was like, they're so rock and roll. I want to be just like them. Um, but, like, in real life, I was just standing there like this, you know, because it's, it's like, whoa, these are all older kids. Anyways, so I started spending a lot of time with these guys, these people. And um, me and my brother started walking home from school every chance we got so we could hang out with these friends. And, of course, in junior high and senior high, that's when kids start getting introduced to things. They start getting curious. They start experimenting. All these friends smoke cigarettes. So guess what? I opened a door. And time goes by. Now I'm a cigarette smoker, I guess, little Michelle. And then I get introduced to weed. So I start smoking weed. And I didn't think it was a big deal, but that was me opening another door wide. Okay, time goes on, and eventually I turn 15, and, you know, I had always been this person that's like, I'm going to do everything, and I'm going to be good at everything. So the day I turned 15, I got a job, because I was like, I'm going to get a good job, and I'm going to make money. And so I got this job at this restaurant, and now I have freedom, and I'm making money, which is not a good combo when you don't have, when you're not making good decisions, okay? I'm in high school, I have friends with cars, and by now my attitude is... Don't knock it till you try it, and everything's good in moderation. But moderation does not always work, okay? <laughs> so I, ma I made these friends. I'm really good friends with them by now because years have gone by. And through friends, you meet more friends, and you start going to parties, and it's, like, really fun. And here's the deal. God gives us choices to make, and so in front of us will always be two doors. There's always going to be one that leads to life and goodness, and joy, and peace, and all those good things, and then there's always going to be one that leads to death, to sin, to lack, to loss, to pain, you know. In my junior high years, when my parents started giving me more freedom, I had a choice to make. I could, I could have been, I could have done a lot of good things, you know, 
I was really, I was a good student. I was smart. I was, it, I was, I was, I just could have done good things, but I didn't, okay. I chose the wrong door. I chose um, to hang out with rough friends. They were great people. They had such good hearts, but they were, it was a rough crowd. And I chose to spend a lot of time with these rough friends. And I chose to lie to my parents about what we were doing and where we were going. And it doesn't seem like a big deal then. But as time goes on, like little lies turn into really big lies really quickly. We started um, sneaking around smoking cigarettes and then smoking weed and then eventually taking pills and then snorting things like methadone. And these doors that were presented to me, I could have chosen to do something really good and productive with the freedom that I was given or something extremely dangerous and harmful. And it's just incredible how one door will lead to another, will lead to another. Just like what happened with Cain, okay, in the story that Pastor Nate was talking about, Cain, it's not like when, when God didn't accept his offering, he was all of a sudden like, I'm going to kill my brother. Just like I wasn't like, I'm going to be addicted to drugs because nobody does that. It's weird. Nobody says that. And um, I just want to take a moment to talk to the parents in the room. If you have a, a kid, whether they're like a kid or like a kid, um, and they're experimenting with drugs or anything, they're just making poor choices, I just want you to know it is not your fault. It's not always your fault. Like God doesn't want you to carry all that, that shame and guilt that you might be carrying as a parent. Because for me, like my parents were amazing, okay. My choices had nothing to do with my parents. And I just feel like there's somebody in the room that <laughs> needed to hear that. But then I also want to talk to kids or teenagers or maybe you are somebody that opened a door 40 years ago and now it's just like become a part of you. I am up here sharing my story because I skinned my knees hard by opening these doors that led to sin and that led to death. And you don't have to. You know, maybe you're, you're in the middle of something right now and you're like, it's fine. It, everything's going to work itself out or whatever. Well, it doesn't because one door leads to another leads to another. And you have an opportunity to choose the right one always. Like while you're still alive, the opportunity to choose life is always there. We have to recognize the doors. That was point number one. Again, we have to recognize the doors. It could be a trap door that the enemy has literally set right in front of you. But while we're still alive, again, we're always giving away back to Jesus. Point number two is decide to change. So recognize the doors and decide to change. Now, growing up, I didn't know who God was or Jesus. I think I kind of like always believed in spiritual things. But I didn't know what. And, of course, growing up, I kind of had this negative view point towards religion and the church. I honestly could not tell you why. Um, I didn't know any Christians. I never really went to church. So I don't know why I thought that. But then one day while I was working at the restaurant, this girl invited me to church. Her name was Gabby. And she, had, she hadn't been working there that long and didn't know me very well. And I have no idea why she invited me because we were such different people. But I decided to go to church with her. And, of course, I went. And I was super high, so I don't really remember a lot, but I remember being really nervous about going in, and then I went into the church service, or I walked into the building, and the first thing I noticed, it, it was so strong. I walked through the doors, and I immediately felt this sense of, like, security and safety, which, um, as a girl, like, doing life in the, the drug scene is not always something you feel like safe, you know. So that was 
that was like the first thing I noticed walking to church was security and safety. But then um, it wasn't a normal church service day, so there was like beach balls flying everywhere and people wearing like Hawaiian lays and I was like, whoa, this is not like what I thought it was going to be like. It was awesome. I mean, again, I don't really remember a lot, but it was, I just remember feeling safe and it was fun and like something I had never experienced before because I had always thought church was like old men wearing robes and like choirs singing in the ceiling, like, ah. but it was nothing like that. So I didn't end up going back to church with Gabby, but for the rest of her time working with me, which was a really short period of time, she would leave little notes with Bible verses under my windshield wiper on my car. And she would text me, like, encouraging things. And she would um, call me just to see how I was doing. And um, it's so funny because she was, like, this good little Christian girl. And I was a drug addict. So I was like, we had nothing in common. But she did not care. A few months later, I haven't talked to Gabby in a long time. Haven't been back to church. I finally hit my, like, lowest of low points. And everything I had been doing started catching up to me. I was still getting pretty decent grades. I still worked a ton, and I was getting closer to graduation. From an outsider's perspective, it seemed like I had my life together and, like, everything was good. But then, as I thought I had hit my lowest of low points, things started getting worse, okay? Bad batches of drugs started going around. Um, I started losing friends, not because of bad friendships, but because they were, like, actually passing away. And I started realizing how serious this was. You know, it wasn't a game anymore. I don't know when it changed from being fun and reckless to being extremely out of control, but it was super quick. And I hit this point where I had a choice to make. Do I want to keep living like this? You know, is this, is this what I really want? Then one night after using too many drugs, I was in a really dark and desperate place. I felt like a train had hit me and I couldn't breathe and... Um, Emotionally, physically, spiritually, I was just done. And then I had this God moment that I can't really explain, but it hit me. You know, if I was still alive, there was a reason for it. My friends were doing the same drugs that I was doing, um, friends that had passed away, and I was, I was still here. That's got to mean something, right? Like, God's got to, like, God's got to have a plan for me, right? He wasn't done with me yet. So I had a decision to make. I had to decide to change or I could keep doing what I was doing, which was only taking me in one direction. I could choose to turn from all of that. You guys know the word repent? It's like a really churchy term that we hear a lot. And um, it's kind of, it's like intense. <laughs> but to me, in a really, I'm going to put it really simply, I feel like the word repent means you ask for forgiveness and then you turn. You do a total 180 from what you were doing. Okay? That's like a less churchy way to say it. Forgiveness, turn. And so I had to decide to do that. I repented. I turned, I closed the door, and I decided to change. And then, after that night, I hurried to the church that Gabby had brought me to months before. I didn't know when services were, so I just sat on the front step and waited for them to unlock the door. And then this old man came and he unlocked the door and let me in. And um, I sat in the back of the sanctuary and watched people start to come in. And the lights went down and the screens came up. And this is when my life like, got rocked. This man was sitting in a white chair. And he was sitting in this chair and he starts telling his story. And his story goes something like this. He had a wife and had some kids. 
and he had a house and a good job, and somewhere along the way got involved in drugs. And one thing led to another, led to another, and eventually he started making drugs and selling drugs. And then he, his wife left him and took the kids, lost his kids. Then um, bad batches of drugs started going around, so he started losing friends. And then um, he got caught, so he went to prison. And this is all happening on the screens, and I'm watching in the sanctuary. And then he walks out on the platform, and he stands there, and he goes, that was me then. And then this happened. I was in prison, and on the wall was written the Bible verses, Joshua 1.9. And in that moment, God met me in my jail cell. He just started to work in my life. He started to redeem things. He, the man had been sentenced to 30 years in prison and got off with two years probation. He got his wife back. He got his kids back. And he's standing out on the platform telling me all these things. And I'm like, whoa, that's me. I mean, it wasn't me, but that's me. And he was talking about how God, like, just took his life and rearranged it and reworked it and remade it. And I was like, I need that. Like, I don't know who he's talking about. I don't know the God that he's talking about. I don't know the Jesus he's talking about, but I need that in my life. And so that was the moment. Romans 2.4 says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? And in that moment, I experienced the love of Christ. This man was talking about how Jesus had come and changed his life. And that's what, exactly what Jesus did for me. He met me in that sanctuary. And I was sobbing as this man was telling his story. And I just felt like Jesus hugged me. And I, he was like, it's, it's going to be okay. Like, you're going to be okay. You know, I didn't know, I didn't know who Jesus was, but I was like, he's got a plan for me and he came to save me. So, yep, it's going to be good. So, recognize the doors, decide to change. Third point is step towards freedom. Here's the beautiful thing. Just like God gave Cain a choice, um, he gives us a choice. He told him in verse 7, you'll be accepted if you do what's right, just like Pastor Nate was talking about. Cain could have chosen the right path, the right door. God then says, but if you refuse to do what's right, then watch out, because sin was crouching at the door. And it is so easy to open doors, even a crack to sin. That can soon swing wide open. Sin is super enticing. It looks good. It feels good. And it is not good, okay? Sin leads to death. Jesus says um, in John 10, 9 to 10, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. We have the opportunity to choose life, to pursue holiness and righteousness. And here's the deal. Jesus does not want to hurt you. If you have been hurt, it's because you opened a door or somebody else did. Okay? He does not want to hurt you. He's the healer. He brings healing. My life began to look a lot different after I invited Jesus into the picture. Okay? I had to let some of my friends go. I just had to. I had to, I had to pull myself out of the situation that I was in. I love them a lot. And they, they were good people. Again, sometimes good people do dumb things. Okay. But I had to remove myself. The drugs, I threw them away, okay. My free nights I began to spend with my parents because I had no idea what other people my age did. 
besides party. Like I did, I, I like literally had to relearn how to do life. Um, I was at church all the time, whenever the building was open, all the services, I served wherever I could, and um, I just needed God. I began to learn more about his love for me and his plans for me and how much he cared for me. And I would, um, I would cry when I took communion because it was like I could see all the junk that I had done, him taking it upon himself for me. You know, I could see him, I could, I could just picture it. And it, it was like the most emotional thing for me. He saved me, you know. He saved my, my whole past, my now. He saved my future. And I did not know it then, you know. But he did. He did. He saved me. He redeemed all of it. <laughs> Pastor Nate, you can come back up. I just want to let you guys know, I, Jesus has done so much in my life, okay. He has changed so much. I don't, I'm not... A lot of people say that once an addict, always an addict. I am not a drug addict, okay. I am remade. I'm a child of God. It's not something that, it's not one of my doors anymore. Well, thanks for letting me share my story, you guys. Give it up for Michelle. I love her story. Oh. Hidden within her story were the points of our message today. You need to recognize the doors that you've either walked through or you let things come in. You need to decide to make a change and not just acknowledge it, but then you got to turn and take a step toward freedom. And friends, that's not just for people that were in Michelle's condition beforehand. That's also for people that have been walking with the Lord for years. I want to see everyone experience freedom. If you came to church today and you heard Michelle's story and something inside of you said, man, that's me. Her story is my story. Maybe you didn't have the exact same details, but you needed hope. And today you heard about that hope and you saw what Jesus does to change a life. And if you, wanted, if you want Jesus today, you can have that hope right now. You don't have to wait a week. You don't have to wait a month. You don't have to wait a year until you get your life right. You come to Jesus now, and then he starts a new story in you. Thank you for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about the various ministries that Emmanuel offers and see Sunday services and Wednesday prayer services live every week. Check out EmmanuelCC.org for details. Be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time.